Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who like their men sparkly and hundreds of years old. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we have not stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film. In an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about none other than 2008's Twilight. What if I'm not the hero? What if I'm the bad guy? You know what you are? Your skin is pale white and ice cold. You don't go out into the sunlight. Say it out loud. Say it. Vampire. Are you afraid? No. And we have some very, very, very special guests today on the show. We have Megan and Liz here. Yay! Hi, guys. We're so excited. Audrey, do you want to talk about how we've connected with Megan and Liz? Yeah. So one day I noticed that Liz followed us and I was like, what the heck? I was like, wait, is this like the Liz like of Megan and Liz? And then, and then um, I was like, oh, I got to DM them. Like, I got I got to see if we can ma- somehow make this connection work. The first time I saw your covers on YouTube was probably like 2008 or, or is that right? Yeah, like 08, 09, 2010, yep. somewhere in there. And I was heavily in my like Taylor Swift fearless Stan Hood at the time. So I feel like the two really go hand in hand. No, that's absolutely accurate. Like that's, that was our whole thing was we were huge Taylor Swift fans. Like Taylor Swift got us like, you know, our whole platform basically like at the very beginning because like the fans really latched on after like the whole Oprah thing. Yeah, I have someone else here who wants to say hello. Oh, really? Yeah. Hey, Megan and Liz, it's Taylor. I heard you guys singing my song and I loved it so much. You guys did an amazing job. And I would like to invite you to my concert in Chicago if you want to come. Oh my gosh, yes! Yes! Oh my gosh! Yes! So we're grateful that, ironically enough, you know, we started making covers when Twilight came out. Absolutely, we did. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I oh I did my research last night into the earliest posted of the Megan and Liz YouTube channel, being like I gotta I gotta refresh myself. <laughs> so I notice the timelines it's intersect. <laughs> it's so good though. Like, and I texted Audrey. I was like, everything about their earliest videos is so just what we talk about on this show. Like the outfits, like the demeanor, like it's just it, you know? That's why we are so excited to be on this podcast because like when I say like I think we all had the same childhood, (laughs) like we are all actually the same person because we were raised by Hilary Duff. Like (laughs) the same films raised us. (laughs) Yeah. And I also uh, found the video, or even or Audrey might have sent it to me, of um, like how to get like the loose Bella curls. Audrey sent it to me. Hey guys, it's Megan and Liz. And as some of you guys know, Liz and I are huge fans of the Twilight series. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Team Jacob, definitely uh, <clears throat> Team Edward. 
Anyway, we're really excited for Breaking Dawn to come out. <laughs> and this video is a tutorial on how to get Bella's soft, loose curls. And what? Just, I want to know about that experience, too. Like, what was the inspo to do such a video? <laughs> um... I can say it was Liz's, un, like, literally unhealthy obsession with Twilight. Like, she didn't sleep. Like, it was weird. No, it was. Like, even, yeah, even just, like, talking about this film, like, it was it was not okay how... I was brainwashed. That's the only thing that I can think of. Like, it was my entire conscience and subconscious was built off of this franchise like it's it's really scary to think about I said I haven't loved I haven't loved anything or been so invested in anything prior or since like than I was in the twilight like kingdom it's just really it's dark it's dark but it's okay so you know, I was like I gotta make a youtube about Bella's curls <laughs> I'm so glad that my hunch was correct when I suggested that we do Twilight. I had a feeling just deep within that it would work. So obviously we are going to get deeply into Twilight, but you both uh, just had a new song and video come out. So do you want to just share a little bit about that too? Yeah. So it's called, um, where does the love go? And it's basically just asking that question. Like when you break up with somebody, we don't know where the love goes, you know? Does it does it follow them? Do you send it back to them? Like, it's just talking about that and how, to this day, you know, we can't really figure out because, you know, the love you have with somebody is always different. So it's like, where does that love with that person go? And we also base this off of, I know this is not, it's like not the demographic, but it kind of is. Like, we based it off of Sex in the City. Apparently, all we did was watch TV <laughs> um, movies. and movies growing up. Um, <laughs> but we said, like, we just love Sex in the City. We love that whole show. And so we always get song ideas off of it. And this was one quote that Carrie actually said. Um, and then for the actual sound, we, like, wanted it to be kind of that nostalgic, like, 2010-like pop. Fun summer pop. Because yeah. we felt like there's not a lot of it yeah. out right now. And we were like, let's bring it back. No, I'm so glad you did. Like, yeah. I, um, I, when I listened to it, I was like, oh, immediately. Like, and it, it's even kind of when we were saying earlier that uh, song from Aquamarine, like one original thing or like songs like in that, <laughs> in that like arena, it totally gave yes. me that. And also I watched all of Sex and the City. So I appreciate the, you know, I appreciate the reference. To all of our lovely listeners out there, make sure to look up the song and the video. The video is, like, so aesthetically pleasing on top of it all. It's up the alley of yes. everyone who listens to this Very show. So, so please check it out. With that in mind, I think it's time for us to get into the facts surrounding 2008's Twilight. The first Twilight movie was released on November 21st, 2008. It was directed by Catherine Hardwick, who uh, didn't really have any other directing credits that stood out to me, except for kind of bleakly the Till It Happens to You <laughs> video. Do you guys know what that is? Oh, my God. I don't. I just I remember her directing um, her directing 13, the movie 13. Yeah, that too. And yeah. And uh, all I remember from that was like it was like. It was a, it's a really, like, raunchy it movie. dark. Yeah. Dark movie. We watched it at, like, our friend's house at a sleepover, and all of us were like, oh my god. This is radically different from Twilight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, isn't it the whole thing that it's, like, a 13-year-old who, like, finds drugs and, like, I don't want to say sex because yes. you, but, like, isn't that it? Kind of? 
Yes. yes. A 13-year-old who, like, literally goes off the rails and, like, gets, like, with, like, drugs and boys and Ugh. pierces her tongue. And it's just like, oh, it's Ugh. wild. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the poster for it when I was compiling everything. And I was like, noteworthy, but not as noteworthy to me because I haven't seen it. Um, it. Okay, it's like Twilight, that, and the Till It Happens to You, Lady Gaga, like, PSA thing, which is, like about sexual assault on campus so it's like really dark and uh I was just like all right let's just throw that one in because it adds some flavor also um Vanessa Hudgens is in 13 this sounds like a movie that we should probably do on our list noted noted we have the producers listed here we have Mark Morgan who is like a serial executive producer type of guy and his lowest rated credit out of all the movies he's produced, was Material Girls with <laughs> Haley and Hilary Duff. So I had to include that. <laughs> An iconic film, really. Yeah. Then we had uh, Greg Moradian, who uh, is like an executive producer on a bunch of things, but primarily all the Percy Jackson movies and Twilight. And then we have Wick Godfrey, who has produced all of the following of these movies. The Happiest Season, The Hate You Give, Love, Simon, Fault in Our Stars, Dear John, and Daddy Daycare. So. Oh, smash. <laughs> smash. He, he did have a good, uh, or does have a good taste for, like, what the young people want. Now, we have the writers. So, first of all, the screenwriter is Melissa Rosenberg, who normally is a producer. She's most known for producing Dexter, Jessica Jones, The O.C., and Party of Five, and all the Twilight movies. But most importantly, we have Stephanie Meyer, who <laughs> wrote all of the Twilight books and has a really heavy-handed cameo in this movie. Yes, she does. <laughs> she does. She does. If you're a real Twilight fan, like, you knew. Like, I was waiting for it. Like, I was waiting for her to be in it. Yep. I was yep. like, there she is. At the diner. At the diner. (laughs) (laughs) She's also like, this is so besides the point, but she's like really pretty. Every time I see her, I'm like, this is a gorgeous woman. Yeah, she should have had a bigger role. Like, (laughs) (laughs) give her some lines at least. (laughs) All she does is sit at the counter with her laptop. So I have a couple of the things just written down about her. Um, So basically throughout the Twilight series coming out, she was kind of like dunked on a lot for being a bad writer. Um, But like, is she a bad writer? I don't know. I don't think she's a bad writer. I mean, there's no, she's not a bad writer. I mean, she didn't absorb the subconscious of like every single girl in America Like, you can't do that if you're a bad writer. Like, (laughs) I wish I could explain how deep I was. Like, that's my issue, is, like, you can't do that if you're a bad writer. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Society as a whole is placing value and what's good on something else. Like, what what is determining how good a writer is? Like, the society would not be basing it off of what a bunch of, like, teen girls like, as we know and have established time and time again. But... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's no point in asking the question, I feel like, how good is she at writing? Because she's like a millionaire, so I think we know how good she is. Right. <laughs> yes, we do know. We really do. Um, 
And just for context, uh, the first book of the Twilight series was released in October 2005, and the last book was released on August 2nd, 2008. And Breaking Dawn sold 3.2 million copies in its first week of publication. Uh, But if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know how big Twilight is, like, I don't even know how you got here. So just, (laughs) I feel like you know, (laughs) if you're here. In our email correspondence, though, uh, I heard that you, well, at least Liz, attended uh, the midnight premieres of the book releases or the movies. Can you just share a little bit about that? <laughs> so actually, the first Twilight movie premiere, um, I, I attended all of them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first one was actually on our 16th birthday. <gasps> Oh, my God. <laughs> so, Liz, I don't think I've I've seen her happier than I saw her that evening. Um, and it was it was everything we wanted it to be and more. You know, when Edward walked on the screen, the entire movie theater, like, shrieked like they were at a concert. Yeah. <laughs> a moment I will never forget, really. It's burned in my brain. But all of the premieres, we went to every single premiere. We did. Um, all of the premieres were either the day before our birthday or, like, within a day of our birthday. Because they were all November 21st or November 20th. Um, except for, I think, one of the Breaking Dawn yeah. premiered in the summer. Yeah. yeah. But we even into the Breaking Dawn saga, like, we still went. Like, we were on tour once, and we, like, made our band go with us <laughs> yeah. to the midnight premiere of Breaking Dawn Part 1. In, like, a <laughs> random city in, like, South Carolina. North Carolina, North, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. I definitely went to the... It was, like, not the midnight premiere of the first movie. It was, like, the 9.30 p.m. showing because I was in eighth grade and, like, we had rules. Um, But my friend Chris, who listens to the show religiously, who was my boyfriend in middle school, was so excited to see Twilight that he rolled around on the ground in uh, glee. I don't really know how that worked, but that's what he did. And he smacked his head on the bottom of the chair and then had like a Looney Tunes style like bump on his head for the whole thing. And I was just like, yeah, this is my boyfriend. This is my definitely straight boyfriend (laughs) in glee over Twilight. He sat and watched the movie with the with the injury? Oh, yeah. He was, like, he was so excited. Like, it was not a problem. And I'm sure he's listening to this now being like, yep, I'll check that out. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I will never forget. That was, that was, that's an iconic memory in my mind of my middle school experience. It was so good. Audrey, were you into Twilight? Did you see any of the movies as they came out? No, I didn't. Uh, I was, um... I was 12, I guess, when the first one came out. And does that check out? I think so, roughly, 12 or 13-ish. And obviously everybody around me and, like, Hannah, like, you were into it. But I didn't get into it at the time. You're just a touch too young, I think. Because, like, I think the real draw of Twilight was... Like exactly. the romance and like Edward and Jacob and yes, how hot they exactly. were. Yes, <laughs> just twelve is just like a hair too young, I think. Yeah, yeah. so it is kind of one of those things sense. when like yeah. when you miss the initial boat, if you're not there, it's going to be like really hard to catch up. So like, <laughs> I never did, especially since like if you're trying to get on the Twilight boat when you weren't on it in the first place. Like as I'm sure we will discuss, like it's not. Like, an incredible film if you don't have those memories, I don't think. Like, I think that... <laughs> <laughs> like, 
like, like, like, I don't think, like, if you were just, like, you know, not around the, like, fan craze at the time and you were, like, I'm gonna check this one out. <laughs> like, I don't think you would be... Like, you zoom out and you're, like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, like, I don't know if that's, if that's quite it, but, you know, my opinion. <laughs> Now we're going to read the plot synopsis of Twilight. Um, Audrey, would you actually like to read it? Sure. All right, so here's the plot synopsis. High school student Bella Swan, always a bit of a misfit, doesn't expect life to change much when she moves from sunny Arizona to rainy Washington State. Then she meets Edward Cullen, a handsome but mysterious teen whose eyes seem to peer directly into her soul. (laughs) Edward is a vampire whose family does not drink (laughs) blood, and Bella, far from being frightened, enters into a dangerous romance with her immortal soulmate. Megan and Liz, what's your evaluation of that plot synopsis? We like to give it a critical a critical response. I just I just mouthed as she was reading it. Liz is almost in tears. I just mouthed to Liz. I said, ridiculous. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm almost crying. It's just, it's so when you really condense it down. It's just, <laughs> so ridiculous <laughs> oh my gosh um just like the whole like it's like peered into her soul like oh well the family doesn't drink blood <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, also ridiculous. not oh even gosh, i'm sorry it's also not even 100 true because they do drink blood they just don't drink the blood of humans as i have recently been refreshed on so we've got three taglines from the looks of it, they're, they're pretty good. So the first one is, when you can live forever, what do you live for? <laughs> the second one is forever. Yeah. Begins now. <laughs> because there's... Now! <laughs> periods. No, I would say that tagline. No, my friend Rachel and I, like, would literally... Every day in school, this like this is like exposing me in a really embarrassing way. But like every day in school before the movie came out, we would look at each other and we would go, "Forever <laughs> begins now in unison. in unison." Oh my gosh, I can't believe we were doing the tagline yeah. the whole time. Oh, oh my gosh, that's, a, that's okay. a really good tagline. Anyways, I'm sure there's more. I probably know them. Carry on. <laughs> the third one is oh. simply Jeez. nothing will be the same. Now we have our cast here. We have Kristen Stewart as Bella. Uh, she's primarily known as Bella, but the other things that she's been in are The Happiest Season, Personal Shopper, Snow White and the Huntsman. Uh, I'm pretty sure she was in the Runaways movie. Uh, and I would like to throw her name into the ring for America's favorite young lesbian. Seems like a <laughs> checks out to me. She's a very beloved yes. figure. So... We got that. We got Kristen. Then we have Robert Pattinson as Edward, primarily known as being Edward. But other things he has been in, uh, he's in the new Batman as Batman. He was Cedric Diggory in Harry Potter. Um, And I would love to get everyone's opinion on him here because I feel like if you shit on the thing that made you famous, like, come on. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. But what what do all of you think? I think, uh, like, I don't understand why anybody it's like when artists don't perform like their biggest hit because they're like annoyed with it. It's like own it. I think it's so annoying when people don't. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. He kind of ruins it for me. Like, honestly, like it really pops the bubble for me when he's like 
mean and like doesn't like talking about Twilight because I'm like you don't understand how invested I was and like you are not Robert Pattinson you are Edward and like it really breaks my heart when he like accept it yeah when he he steps out of turn like honestly I don't even pay attention to him I don't watch his interviews like I just to like keep him in that suspended reality because whatever I mean he's gorgeous still and I'll look at him from afar but I will, I will not watch an interview because I am that invested. <laughs> Since being in Twilight and Harry Potter and all that, he's really, like, taken a dive into some indie films. Um, like, he was in um, a Safdie Brothers film called Good Time, and he was more recently in The Lighthouse, um, which are, they're very much, like, indie films. It's kind of a situation of him seeing himself in a more, like, highbrow way than the public was viewing him. And that's probably a big part of it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And then uh, he's not really in this movie that much, but we gotta obviously talk about Taylor Lautner as Jacob. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> what? So this was, I was team Jacob and Liz was team Edward. So okay. this is like, uh, like, I could talk about Taylor Lautner all day. He was he was my man. Then He's you add man's. you add in the Taylor Swift association mm-hmm. and like the man could do it was no the wrong. it was the trifecta. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was just too it was too much. Really, it was too much. Like two thousand eight, <laughs> two thousand nine. Yeah, like, Taylor Lautner was. Yeah, we went to a Taylor Swift show and he was at that Taylor Swift show. Oh my God. And I took so many photos on my Nikon Cool Pics <laughs> of him. Taylor was singing and I was taking them of him. Yeah. Oh I should God. I should send them to you guys. Yeah, <laughs> we have a bunch of photos to send you of like this whole era with Taylor Lautner, us at the premieres. Like it's it's gross, but we'll send them all. <laughs> then our other uh, supporting people. I have barely anything, so I'm just gonna get through the three. We have Anna Kendrick as Jessica, known for Pitch Perfect, and in my opinion, being boring. <laughs> then we have Christian Serratos. <laughs> As Angela, who played Susie Crabgrass in Ned's Declassified. And I'm pretty sure she's playing she Selena is, yeah. in, like, a new show nowadays. Yeah, she is. And then we have Justin. Yes, so good. She's so good in it. I have to see it. I, re- I have to see it still. Um, and then we have Justin Chon as Peter, uh, who, in my mind, the second I saw him on screen, I was like, that's the dude from Wendy Wu, Homecoming <laughs> Warrior. So, him. <laughs> <laughs> The budget for the film was $37 million, and the box office opening weekend was $69,637,740. Uh, and the overall worldwide gross is $408,430,415. So I think it's safe to say they made their money back. Um, I think they had a successful first yes. week. We got to talk about the critics because we all know that the critics had a lot to say about this movie. So um, when it comes to the critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, you know, the most veritable critical source there is in this world, (laughs) the critic consensus, well, they gave it a 49% critic score. And then the critic consensus was having lost much of its bite, (laughs) transitioning to the big screen, Twilight will please its devoted fans, but do little for the uninitiated. So that might be true, but Audrey, do you want to talk about the audience score? Yeah, so there was a 73% audience score, which kind of reflects exactly what Hannah just said, what the critics were saying. Like, if you are not into the books, you're probably not going to get that much from the movie. So the fact that the audience score is 73%, that 
that adds up. Hannah has listed some nice critic stuff, which is good. Because we don't need we don't need any more Twilight slander in 2021. Like we can we can move on. We don't. We don't. Um, we don't. So we don't. the first quote is: I watched Twilight in a cinema full of young girls who, when they weren't texting friends and guzzling soft drinks, giggled, sighed, and exhaled <laughs> with a passion that was not only endearing but a measure of its emotional truth. Wow. We were we were those girls. <laughs> were we all? Guzzling soft drinks. Yeah. Real Coke. Real Coke. Yeah. And then the second critic quote is from Anne Cohen. And she says, 10 years after its release, Twilight stands as a powerful, darkly stylish depiction of teen female desire. So that's like in retrospect. So now we talk about the uh, gossip section from Entertainment Weekly, that style of information from 2008. So first of all, relevant to you two, this was, according to my research, the year that you started posting on YouTube. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, I would say consistently, probably. It was like 2008. We had a few like bum videos before that, but, <laughs> but consistently... 2008. <laughs> yeah, we would do like one, we would do one a week starting 2008, I think was like our thing. I'm like, don't, don't quote me on that. Yeah. You probably know better than me. I haven't looked in a while, but. I know. <laughs> yeah. But definitely it was, it was our time for sure. Where we were like, this is it. This is happening. We're going to be YouTube artists now. Yes. And like some of the original YouTube artists too, like the creators of a subgenre, 100%, yeah. which is really cool. Um, <laughs> What else was happening in your lives in 2008? Oh, man. That was the year that um I broke my ankle during a homecoming assembly cheerleading in front of uh, fourth and fifth graders. That was traumatic. <laughs> um, I had just gotten my cast off for the premiere of Twilight, I remember. So I was, like, excited for the premiere and, like, did not have my cast on. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just too much like it's just so like it's just so like perfectly that time like I remember that like I know what you're talking yeah. about I mean what else and we were in we were in high school mm -hmm. um nobody knew about our YouTube channel because mm -hmm. literally not a single soul had a YouTube channel literally people don't people didn't go online like in 2008 right um like how we did so people were just like you know, like, oh, you guys do videos? Cool. We don't watch them. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And we were just, like, chilling in high school, and I was obsessed with Twilight. So yes. that was 2008. That's, that's it in a nutshell. In August 2008 alone, we had all of these things. I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry came out. Disturbia by Rihanna hit number one. Miley Cyrus hosted the Teen Choice Awards. Ellen DeGeneres and Portia de Rossi got married, and Joe Biden was announced as Obama's vice presidential pick. So, all that happened in one month alone. What a, what a year that was. Yeah. 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 It was a big year. I feel like 2008 and 2009 especially are, like, super underrated for their, like, pop culture impact, yeah. you know? Like, there was a lot that happened in those mm -hmm. years. For me, 2008, I think the best way to describe what my experience was is that we went on this trip as a family to Colorado, and I have this really intense memory of taking this train up a mountain, and I was reading New Moon and listening to the Black Parade for the first time at the same time. 
wow yeah like i like defining yes like as they say like things will never be the same like that was me (laughs) on that ride up the mountain in colorado (laughs) what would you say are like the top three things you remember about this movie specifically that like have burned into your brain the most and i think for megan liz that will probably be extremely specific which i'm excited to hear about (laughs) (laughs) do you have one i i know i do i have i have one I have a really weird one. Me too. I mean, mine are not, like, I'm not proud. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'll, I'll kick it off with the fact that I was, I wish I could express to you how deeply upset I was that the Volvo was silver and not black <laughs> um, from the book. Like, my friend, my friend and I would, my friend Rachel and I, like, when that silver Volvo showed up, I think in the preview for it, we were just like, why wouldn't you make it black? And <laughs> and so that was like a really deep, deep feeling for me. And I remember just being like so upset, like genuinely upset. Um, so that's one. Another one I remember is the part where they're like making out in their room, you know, or in yeah. Bella's room was an awakening. I was, I don't know. Like, and I still like that is just burned into my brain. I had never seen anything so like wild (laughs) and exciting in my whole life (laughs) than that scene. And that's really, those are the two things that really stick out to me. Mine, mine are like, okay, so mine are really quick. Number one, I just remember that the food in the diner always looked really yep. good. Like, I can picture, like, her salad and, like, the fries for some reason. Like, I always think about that. The fries. Um, and then the other one was, like, how... T- <laughs> yes, the fries. And then the other one was, like, how Taylor Lautner said Bella. Like... Bella. Yeah, he was, like, Bella. Bella. It was, like, he's like, swallowing when he said it every time. And I was, like, why does he say Bella? It's, like, Bella. He's, like, Bella. Yeah. <laughs> Audrey, do you have any... Do you have any particular things? Well, I think the first time I actually saw it was in our was at our neighbor's house. We had actually just moved, uh, just like Bella. Um, we <laughs> just like Bella. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had just moved, and so. Like, our, I feel like our mom, like, our parents were really, like, trying to find us friends, like, um, like, whatever way that she could. So, like, we would end up at our, like, neighbor's house that we didn't know. And then, like, we would just be sitting there. Yep. And, um, yeah, I, I remember that's the first <laughs> time I saw Twilight and they were really into it. And I just hadn't read the book, so I didn't really know. And I think I was just, like, a little confused. <laughs> My things are, they're kind of from different, like, time periods. But I think that uh, the first thing with this movie is, like, if one thing has not fallen away over time, it's that, like, no matter how you look at it, just, like, the enduring sexual energy of this movie. Like, you get it when you're 12 and you get it when you're 25. Like, it's just there. So that's my first thing. Um, my second thing is that I saw the movie, obviously, when I was, like, in middle school, and then when I went to college, um, my roommate, who was, like, my closest friend at the time, like, loved to get, like, really stoned and watch Twilight. (laughs) Like, it was, like, her favorite thing. And she, I was like, why? And she was like, you're not gonna get it till you do it. So you gotta do it. And so... (laughs) (laughs) We did it. 
And the part that got me is like when she walks into the lab and the fan blows the breeze over to him and he's like, he's like suffocating on it. Like we sat there and just like cried over that for so long. Oh, and then also this goes without saying just the amount of like positive memories associated to the soundtrack. Obviously the soundtrack to this movie is incredible. Yeah. I'm sure it's a lot for you too. Oh, yeah, Decode. Yeah, we were, that's at the end credits, right? Yeah. Yeah, we were, um, obviously we watched it last night and we were like in the other room, like while the credits were playing and we were like, <gasps> oh my gosh. Like, oh, a super massive black hole. Yeah. Oh, don't, oh don't, during don't. the baseball scene. Don't. <laughs> it's too good. It's just, it's just that too good. That hit so well. So well. I think that it's time for all of you listening at home to uh, go find a way to watch Twilight. If you haven't watched it in a while, go fire it up. And uh, we will be back soon, very soon, to talk about our takeaways from our rewatch of Twilight. So we will be right back. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. everyone. I hope you enjoyed your viewing of Twilight 2008's uh, most relevant and enduring film. And now we are here to talk about what we just saw. So why don't we start with parts that we appreciated in Twilight? Um, Megan Liz, do you want to go first? I think in general, the baseball scene has always been one of, like, my favorite movie scenes, like, of all time. Like, it was so well done and, like, so creative and the music was great. Like, still great to me. I feel like it's very, like, the like the trope of, like, oh, the girl who's different and, like, ooh, you know, like, she's so special and, like, whatever. But, like, call me crazy, but I appreciate movies like that. I love it. I love just, like, you kind of know what's going to happen. You know you know, she's going to be saved. Like, you you kind of get all the things that you're hoping to get from a movie like you this. You know, you knew the second that Edward was introduced, even if you didn't read the books, that Bella was going yes. to date Edward. Like, you just knew. <laughs> yes. So I guess I appreciate its, its like, predictability and yeah. for what it's for. <laughs> My things that I appreciated are... I mean, I feel like I've seen this movie a lot recently, and normally there's been, like, more time in between. Um, but... It is, like, a funny movie. Like, there are elements to it that I think are really funny. Like, even just the way that some of the lines are just kind of, like, 
delivered with a smirk that's like 20% too like knowing <laughs> honest that's so true so I just true. think that that's really funny um Audrey what did you think I was also going to highlight like the comedy some is intentional and some is not but what is really funny to me is uh when Bella is on Edward's back and he's just like a squirrel monkey or something (laughs) and he's just like spider monkey spider monkey he's like hold on tight spider monkey yeah (laughs) yes oh um and like anytime he's like speed running it's just really funny like it it just is you would probably have something to say about this too I love that this movie just is blue it just is blue. The whole thing. <laughs> it is blue. Well, have y'all seen that, um, the little, like, keychain that you can get? That's, like, it's a little keychain, and it's blue, and it says, directed by Catherine Hardwick, like, at the bottom, and you just, like, hold it up to, like, anything. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I low-key want it. Yeah, oh, my God. It'd yeah. be fun to have like, just put the blue tin on anything, any situation. <laughs> anything. Yeah, That's and then, really then you're in Twilight. And then I've also seen, like, um, where people do, um, they color correct the movie. And then they color correct the other movies to, like, have it be blue. So, like, they color corrected <laughs> New Moon to be blue. Like, Whoa. Yeah, and I'm like, that's so interesting. It is. It's blue. <laughs> yeah. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. We, we were talking about how, for the video of this episode, we want to put the Catherine Hardwick blue over all of it. Like yes. for the TikToks and stuff. So you have if you're watching to. this, you, you may to. be seeing it. Were there any things that came up that you noticed this time that you really liked that you hadn't noticed before? So this is kind of, I'm, I'm comparing it to the other films, which I don't know if I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to judge it as like, like comparing it, but it's hard to do that when you've seen the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what I, but what I do like about this one is I feel like Edward and all of the vampires look like actual humans. They're just like really good looking humans. Where as opposed to like kind of what you see in the other movies is like they just look really weird and like CGI'd yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like in this first one, it was the most like realistic when you're thinking about it compared to the book like I don't know like I'm like you almost see like the that correctly in your head it's more realistic as opposed to like the other ones just got so wild yeah and it's like so Dakota that's, that's Fanning looking liked. like an animatronic or something yes yes and so I liked that watching this again I was like this seems really a little bit more just like realistic even though it's obviously not, but that's what I liked, I think. Yeah. 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 Were there any big discrepancies between the book and the movie that, like, got fans mad? Like, can you share those if you know them? <laughs> I'm sure you and do. The Volvo. <laughs> Besides the Volvo, um, <laughs> yes, yes. I remember the Volvo being a big deal. Um, there's There were certain things just, like, in the plot that were different, um, like, they didn't, they eventually talked about it, like, in the later films, about, um, like, Jasper's, you know, special qualities and, like, things like that, but they just, like, left a whole bunch of that out, um, and just, I don't know, I felt like there was way more romance in the book, like, I felt like there were more moments just, like, of them, like, actually hanging out and being chill, whereas in the movie, it feels like it comes out of nowhere, like, the part where, like, Mm -hmm. they're, where they're outside, and, um, she's, like, 
he just like walks in the woods and then yeah, the she say just it out like loud follows part. him. Yeah. 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 It's just kind of like, you're like, I, I thought you guys like hated each other or like, I don't know. They didn't really make the, the romantic connection very well known until like they were romantically involved. They didn't like, <laughs> they didn't earn it in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, like that romantic connection was not earned. Like it mm-hmm. literally just came out of nowhere. Just like going into the woods and it's like, okay, well I guess we're in love now. And in the book, <laughs> That was not the case. Yeah. So, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, obviously, (laughs) like, it's hard to convey. It's harder to convey, like, a slow burn, uh, like, romance Mm -hmm. when you're not in their thoughts. And they do incorporate, like, some of Bella's internal monologue into the movie. But it not throughout like it's it's in the first you know quarter Mm -hmm. and then they stop and I feel like that would have been a huge strength to the movie had they kept like voiceovering her thoughts and also voiceovering his thoughts because Mm -hmm. like otherwise he's supposed to be Mr. Mystery though I know but you're not supposed to know yeah but like or at least just her thoughts more further Mm -hmm. into the movie because it's a great um, it's a great tool that they're using also to like incorporate the book more so into the movie. Um, and then it just kind of drops off and you're left to just like believe them. And when you don't necessarily <laughs> yeah. like see it in the same way. And be more playful, more playful too. You know, mm-hmm. like the part, like what you were just saying, where he was like, you know, like, oh, you better hold on tight, spider monkey. It's like, <laughs> I feel like the, like those moments, like, I feel like they were a little, just a touch more before they got together would be like, okay, so they don't hate each other and all of a sudden yeah. they're like romantic. And again, this is just talking about the, just movie. If you were completely had never heard of Twilight mm-hmm. before, you would watch it and be like, this came out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it seems like we're kind of organically transitioning into the things that were worse now or like confused us a little bit. Um, so... Were there any particular things in that category that stood out to you? For me personally, I think Kristen Stewart in general, like the monotony of like her facial expressions and like how she delivers lines. Like I get that that's her character, but like there's like this one face. It's like eyebrow up, like, yeah. like I, I, it's burned into my brain. She does that face so often and like, I don't know. I feel like she could have, like, expanded a little bit more mm-hmm. in some of her deliveries. But. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about the way that Kristen Stewart is in this movie that, like, it almost seems like they're trying to make fun of the, like, not like other girls chosen girl trope yeah. because she acts so, like, neutral to moody and instantly every boy in this clique is, like, actively trying to be her boyfriend and you're like why why do they feel this way <laughs> like oh, yeah like the I fact, don't get it <laughs> yeah and like the other girls in the clique are like just as cute as she is so it's sort of like Absolutely. is it because she's wearing pants in gym class like is that what it is like <laughs> is it like, yeah, like she she gives them nothing she nothing. Gives, nothing she gives everybody nothing she's just literally giving serving absolute like give us nothing queen yeah. like literally just <laughs> yeah but at the same time it's like well okay like I I agree with you and yeah and again like I wonder if that was I wonder if that was a direction thing mm-hmm. you know to kind of like build up that like 
you know, mystery and romance and, like, whatever. But I don't know why it just totally... It didn't totally, like, work, I don't think. And and this is coming from somebody who is obsessed with this movie and has watched it a million times and will, like, die on that hill. Um, I'm <laughs> yeah, just trying yeah. to look at it as... I'm trying to look at it as if somebody had never heard of it or seen it, you know? Some of the more perplexing elements to me are uh, Kristen Stewart's hair situation... I had that written down too. In because from scene to scene, her she has like zero hair continuity. Like it's like in every yeah. scene, she's got like it's some sort of extensions thing, I think. And then sometimes you can really see like black, um, like black streaks almost. Oh, I actually know why. I actually know the answer to this. Oh, good. Like being being the twi hard <laughs> that I am. <laughs> Um, so, so she did, she had, like, an extension piece. It was, like, a, um, like, a U-clip extension yeah. or, like, halo mm-hmm. extension. So it was, like, a huge piece of hair that they would, like, pre-curl and, like, pre-style. Um, so like, it was essentially a wig. It was essentially a wig, but it was, like, a half wig. So, like, the top yeah. half of her hair was, like, real, but then the bottom half. But I guess they, and I remember, like, watching an interview or something about it, and they said that they just, like, had it to save time on set. And I'm like, your budget was, like, $40 million, and you're like, we're going to slap this U-clip on this girl because we don't have time to, like, curl your hair. Like, it just seems... But I, but that is, like, an extension, so you're right. And I, and I do think it looks bad. Yeah. 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 And, and the hair journey that Kristen Stewart goes on throughout all the Twilight <laughs> movies is, like, crazy. Like, she... she her wig in, um, what is it, New Moon? Yes. I don't remember which one it is. Yes. But she's got, like, a full-on <laughs> wig in one of them, and it, it really mm-hmm. kind of is jarring. Yes. I mean, all the hair in that movie was actually pretty atrocious. Like, whoever did <laughs> hair. Yeah, like, who else? Like, I mean, obviously, Taylor Lautner's wig was aw- oh, yeah. god-awful. Yeah. Like, that middle part. And then, I mean, think about, like, Jessica's hair. Yeah. Like, even like Rosalie's, Rose, like Rosalie's, like Rosalie's Alice's. Was bad. With oh, the, Alice's I mean, bad, she yeah. was supposed to be weird, but I mean, it was all pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good observation. Yeah, I mean, mo- yeah, it's a really good observation. Most of the hair is very like touched by two thousand eight, but um, and so is the wardrobe <laughs> to the point where I'm like, like the the wardrobe and the general aesthetic makes me feel very strange. Like I don't. <laughs> I don't like it. It remind it reminds me of like an abandoned Coles or something. <laughs> A Coles outlet mall. Yeah. yeah. It's just Yeah. Oh, it, it it hurts. There's something also about this book like kind or about this movie going back to what we're talking about about the book where there's like a lot of things that happen in the movie that like don't really make a ton of sense without the book like um mm-hmm. like the fact that Kristen or that Bella is like so annoyed that Edward doesn't immediately like express positive feelings towards her you're like does she care <laughs> because he's hot or is there another reason like i like i'm confused about why she's so mad yes she's probably just cuz all the other boys were like throwing themselves at her and she's like well yeah <laughs> 
Right, right. I wish that I that she would have actually talked to her mom about it on one of the thousands of times when her mom calls her. She should have been like, yeah, all the boys love me except for the one that I actually like. But she's like not allowed to be like emotionally honest with anyone except for yeah. Edward. So well, we don't get that. The character of her mom. Also, the character of her mom is so underdeveloped. Um, well, not underdeveloped. Yes. She's underutilized. She's developed well, and I like that she actually has a personality in the movie and is, like, totally here yeah. for Bella and stuff. But she's just like, no. <laughs> I know. Uh, and also, like, that's another thing that, like, that line annoys me to this day, how she says, power cord. I'm like, why didn't you say charger? <laughs> I didn't lose my power cord. It ran away from yeah, me. Yeah, it ran away. I have a question for the Twilight expert slash experts in the chat, which is, okay, so when I was watching the movie, well, first of all, the part where the Cullens are like, we're making her Italiano, I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> that was just hilarious. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that kind of falls into the category of the things in this movie that are like, so bad and so great at the same time that you like can't really label it like that's a really good example but my question is why is it that there are why are there so many couples in the family like is there a reason why they're all couples like why is that I don't I don't know the answer honestly I I feel like it's mostly just like if you think about like their age, their real age, you know what I mean? Like they've and they do touch on this in the books. Like they they really go into like Emmett and Rosalie's journey together and how they found each other. And they do a little bit in like the third movie, I think. But like that's like a really big thing they like talk about, I feel like, in the books more about like how kind of their whole life is like based off of finding this love and like that's like what makes like life worth living I think that was like one yeah. of the taglines and they didn't like touch on it enough in the first movie like I feel like it left a lot of viewers like well why are they all coupled exactly. up yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but so I don't really know a great answer for it but I will also going back to the Italia Italiano yeah, please do please um, do um I feel like Edward was such a dick I'm like I would be so mad if he if he like yeah she already ate I'd be like don't say that like I'll eat again (laughs) yeah like I'm with your meeting your vampire family like I'll eat some spaghetti like like, (laughs) I just loved why would you say that yeah and the way that the mom is just like Bella we're making you Italiano I was like (laughs) I gotta go why did you say Italiano it was it was I've gotta go it was stressful. Presumptuous, um, too, just because she has an Italian name. Oh, yeah, just because she's Italian. Yeah. Like, do we even know if she's Italian? <laughs> um, no. I guess... We do not know. Yeah, I guess that's the reasoning. I guess that's the joke, is <laughs> that horrible. they just heard her name and assumed it was it- she was Italian. So, like, a lot of stuff that I've kind of read and, like, seen resurging around Twilight is people talking about how it, like, glorifies... And this is not necessarily how I feel, but what people say is like it glorifies like a toxic relationship dynamic what do we think about that I actually I do remember that I remember like a lot of speculation about that when the movies were coming out but I mean nowadays I feel like I mean I don't know at the same time I'm like man Bella you know what you signed up for like yeah vampire Mm -hmm. yeah this is not normal (laughs) yeah (laughs) and I mean it's toxic yeah it's definitely toxic (laughs) yeah Jacob like trash. Yeah, treats Jacob like garbage on the ground. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't 
don't know. And then if you really want to get, like, again, like, this is, like, if you want to get real deep into it, it's like, oh, is he grooming her? Because he's technically 100. Oh, yeah. Seen, you know, yeah. like, I've seen that conversation. But it's like, you got to know what movie you're watching. You know, at the <laughs> yeah. end of the day, it's like, it's not going to be racially inclusive. It's not going to glorify a healthy relationship. Yeah. The man is 118 years old and he's a vampire. Like, and it's just kind of like... <laughs> You know, like, it's it was 2008, it was a different time, and you've got to watch it for what it is. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of what my opinion. Um, you could have those conversations, but at the end of the day, it's like, it's Twilight. <laughs> yeah. It's just Twilight. It's just Twilight. Yeah, I totally feel the same way. It's like, y- everything you said, you know what you're watching. I don't think it makes sense to then draw the conclusion that, like, this is Twilight's problem to solve like like we <laughs> yes, yes. don't need like you don't need to make the blanket statement like twilight glorifies toxic relationships it's about a toxic <laughs> relationship <laughs> like it's yeah. about it is a romance and like people love it for that aspect but um it's fictional and like it, it just bugs me like everybody is so quick to make those sweeping claims about things. Yeah, and, like, realistically, nobody should be trying to grab anything significant or earth-shattering, core-changing from the movie Twilight anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Like... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I also feel like the things that would make it problematic, I mean, aside from it being, like, extremely white, is just, like, it's the stuff that makes it so fun. Like, kind of, the stuff that I wrote down is, like, well, first of all, so I always try to make these movies gay because that's just who I am, but Twilight is, like, not gay. Twilight is extremely straight. Um, And one thing that that I was sort of thinking about, like, while I was watching it is how it, like... You watch this movie when you're like 13 or 14 and you're trying to formulate like, oh, what will it be like when I fall in love one day? And I feel like mm-hmm. it does this really interesting thing of like, nor- <laughs> not normalizing, but normalizing, like the sacrifice of being in a relationship and also sort of like romanticizes like being um, like powerless to to your male partner being like oh like he's in charge and like I'm gonna hang back and like it's like this is how it is like this is how it should be (laughs) like I just feel like it really delivers on that and like now that we're adults we can look at that and be like oh yeah that's like not how life actually is but like it's fun to imagine that that would be like a fun relationship yeah does that make sense yeah Absolutely. Well, it'd yeah. be fun because, like, the the things that, like, he offers are, oh, yeah. like... Out of this world. Are, are literally out of this world. It's, like, kind of, like... It's, like, he's offering this life of, like, I can run really fast. I've got, <laughs> I've got the world's resources and money. Like, I can read people's minds. Like, my yeah. family has all these superpowers. It's, like, I get it. Yeah. Like, intriguing. I, I, it's intriguing. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, like... <laughs> I'm I'm looking at my notes. I wrote down, okay, when they walk into the school and he puts his arm around her, dot, 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 hot. 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 <laughs> Agree. Yeah. But yeah. see, that's a moment that I thought was more playful and, like, fun. Yeah. And it, like, showed their, like, fun relationship for, like, the movie that you're not just, like, do they like each other? Because yeah. I can't tell. Like, that moment was, like, that's, we want to see that. 
Yeah. yeah. Like, we like that. And yeah. I have to say, too, one awesome. element that I appreciate, um, I don't know if it's consistent with the book, but in the movie, is that this, there really is no real sense of competition between Bella and her uh, and her friends. Like, her little girl yeah. group. Um, That's so true. It's like... Uh, it just, it comes off pretty healthy for a group of teen girls. And I appreciate that in the adaptation from the book to the movie that they didn't bust out some kind of mean girl hierarchy thing because mm-hmm. I could have seen that. And I guess, you know, like Anna Kendrick's character has a little bit of potential for that sort of attitude, but like they don't actually go there because the truth is they don't have the time to go there. <laughs> but like, um, <laughs> but I'm glad that like in that adaptation, they didn't go that route. And it's just like a group of friends that seems pretty good. So this is one other thing that could be like put under problematic, but I totally forgot that it even happens. And I think it's kind of perfect. It's like extremely 2008, um, which is like the first thing in this movie that you hear anyone say is, I never thought about how I would die. (laughs) (laughs) And then later on when she's like, death is peaceful living is harder. I was like, what? I'm like, this movie is so much more like, like dark in that sense. Like the death element. Like I forgot that it's really even a thing. And it's just so, it's so 2008, like that sort of attitude. And like, I love it for that personally. I mean, realistically, the whole movie, like the whole franchise, like Bella's just trying to die. Like essentially, like she's just, all she wants to do is be a vampire. And also that's another thing that goes into like the strong woman thing. I'm like, if you Mm -hmm. really wanted it so bad, just go find a vampire. Like, (laughs) you know, find one of the siblings to do it. She was like, had to wait for Edward. Like, yeah. (laughs) That's, that's where like the, uh, where like the consummation before marriage shit comes in though. Like it's gotta be Edward because you know, it's all a metaphor. Well, I was going to say, I wonder if it's because, like, and that's another thing that people say about Stephanie Meyer is, like, they really pushed that, um, was that what you're going to yes. say? Because she's, like, Mormon? Oh, like, yeah. yeah. they really pushed that um, because, you know, that was, like, her belief as the author, you know? So I wonder if that's why they did that, which, you know. Yeah. Giddy up. Well, that's apparently, <laughs> I mean, like, apparently her, I, I, when I Googled is Stephanie Meyer Mormon, they, they were like, yes, she is. And that's why there's no, um, there's no like real sex scenes and like they're waiting for marriage and like, yeah. you know, it, it does line up with, with her personal religious beliefs. So one thing that I want to ask of Megan Liz though, is like, what do you think it was about just what was in the air in the late 2000s that made you love this franchise so much? And looking back at it now, like, what impact do you think it has left on you as people? <laughs> I mean, I think definitely both of us were, like, having our first boyfriends at yeah. that time. So it was, like, super relatable, you know? I mean, it, obviously they weren't vampires, but, <laughs> you know, just, like, watching their relationship on screen was, like... I was like, oh my gosh, like, I know how that feels. Yeah. Yeah. I truly just think we were, we were the right age. Mm -hmm. Like, we just, I think we saw ourselves in Bella so much. And which is, I mean, I guess, like, what you wanted, what they wanted, Mm -hmm. and the writers, the directors, like, everybody wanted was, like, everybody to see themselves in Bella. And, like, 
I certainly did. And (laughs) it just kind of, like, made me optimistic that, like, oh, wow, like, you know, maybe some boy will see me like Edward sees Bella, which is so cheesy. But when you're 16, it's, like, that is a really important thing to you. and not the most. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's why we just, like, loved it Mm -hmm. so much. And as far as, like, lasting to today... I mean, the life lessons don't really stick. <laughs> no. Like, you know, like, just what you're talking it's about. It's nostalgia. It's, it's more all nostalgia. nostalgia. <laughs> yeah. It's just more of, like, just the feeling of euphoria that I had when I thought about, like, you know, finding somebody like Edward and, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, all that. So, it's more euphoric than anything. <laughs> or nostalgic. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, but sorry. it is euphoric. But it is euphoric. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really in the twilight zone now. It's like, oh, my God. Our last question is, is this movie still good? Yes. Not to the general public, I don't think, but to me, it's still good. <laughs> Same, like, probably, like, two out of ten recommend to anybody else who didn't grow up in the time. <laughs> yeah. But, like, if you grew up, like, in the time, like, it's a ten out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I wrote for Worthwhile. Yeah. <laughs> I said... Oh, wait, but we didn't... We didn't get to Worthwhile yet, Well, to me, it's the same. The categories are the same. Okay. So we're also pondering, is it a Worthwhile movie? Yeah. Um, I said, personally, I feel I missed the cultural moment, and therefore I'm not as passionate, but for a teen-aimed romance, uh, I think it follows the book well and advanced the material into a more elevated visual film aesthetic. (laughs) It's true. It's not like your basic you know, high school teen movie. It is, but there's vampires and werewolves. And it is, and it is, it is funny. Like, it's yeah. got some funny moments. Yeah. Like, it's I different. Th- you can give it that. Yeah. This movie is good in the way, objectively, it's good in the way that, like, Rocky Horror is good. Like, you let it be camp and you let it be kind of messy if you don't have attachments to it already. Yeah. But when it comes to, is it worthwhile? Like, is it worth rewatching? I feel like, yes, Especially if you didn't see it when it came out, because I feel like it's such an efficient little like snack of what that era was like culturally in so many ways, like the doomed lovers, the death stuff, the blueness, the bad fashion, (laughs) the really good music. Like it just feels like such a succinct way to be like I was in high school in 2008 you want to know what we were all yearning for yeah here it is like (laughs) accurate incredibly accurate and I'm and I'm and I like that and I and I and I will stand by that yeah yeah (laughs) yeah me too I think that it's a great movie and it deserves its flowers as we say yeah so I think we're walking away from this saying Twilight is absolutely good absolutely worth it And we're grateful to Stephanie for giving us this. (laughs) We are. We most certainly are. (laughs) If you are a twihard like me, I would love an open conversation anytime. (laughs) I'll talk about it all day. Um, Still a big fan. Read the Midnight Sun, like Edward's version most recently. Like I read that like in over the summer. I feel like I need a new like... 2021 poll of like who was team edward and who was team jacob yeah, as well i would really oh, like yeah. to know oh yeah <laughs> we should we'll probably end up doing an instagram poll and you guys should do one too and then we can compare notes yeah yeah that would be a good way 
actually, there, that reminds me of one more question I wanted to ask you that I think our audience would be curious about, which is, so you are both adult women at this point. But my question is like, what is it like for your teen experience to have been so documented on the internet and for it to have been such like a foundational piece of like your personas now or like how people came to know you? Because I feel like that would be a really specific experience. Honestly, the only thing that's like, that was like kind of the hardest was like, after we turned 21, because we were very, like, squeaky clean mm-hmm. on the internet. Like, very mm-hmm. Disney, like, didn't drink. I mean, we didn't drink in real life either. No. Like, we were very, like, good kids. And then, obviously, we, you know, we turned 21. We started going out, you know, to bars for fun and, like, um, just, like, developing more swear words in our vocabulary. <laughs> and we just constantly felt like we had to start filtering a little bit more for a couple mm-hmm. years. But then finally, we just got over it. Um, but people were really judgmental of that. It was really hard to shake the 17-year-old perception to young women perception. But I think it's fine now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I've like I've noticed how um, on your TikToks, like people obviously like will just stumble upon your TikToks on their For You page and then recognize you from like some obscure YouTube memory that they have. And then they'll comment that (laughs) and they'll be like, oh my gosh, like you guys raised me or like you're my childhood or something like that. And then like, but I'm sure you guys just get that a lot, especially on TikTok. So like that, that must be a really interesting experience like for people to be kind of backtracking in their mind and then like remembering the exact moment you know we get that a lot like in person too like you know because obviously we still do music we still do like quote-unquote entertainment and like whatever and like we will just like be doing something like a shoot with somebody or something and then be like oh my gosh, like, I used to watch you guys, like, in middle school, like, like, I'm so, like, fangirling that you are, that you're here, and, like, that it's weird, yeah, it's really funny, but I feel like we get that all the time now, and it's like, well, yep, we're, we're still here, we're, yep, yeah, we're 28 now, and, uh, (laughs) this is funny, it is, yeah, it's cool, though. I really love, though, how, like, when I think about the, moment of being like sitting in your bedroom and recording a YouTube video of you singing a song or like doing makeup or something and how that is so 2009 in in just Mm -hmm. the act of doing that like you guys are also like associated with that level of like pureness and just like wanting to connect and like share and I just appreciate you both for that because you were like some of the first in our lives so oh thanks ladies (laughs) thank you (laughs) I think we're pretty much good here, but please uh, share again with everyone like your social stuff, your your social stuff, your social media handles and your new song and like where we can find it all. All right. So you can find us on TikTok. Our uh, handles just at Megan and Liz, Um, Instagram at Megan and Liz, um, YouTube.com forward slash Megan and Liz. We're really creative, you know, with yeah. all of our names. Uh, my Instagram is at Megan Mace. Mine is Stella218, which has nothing to do with my actual name, but just that's like, what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, and then you can stream the song um, anywhere. You can stream music. Um, Where Does the Love Go? That's what it's called. Just search that or Megan and Liz. Yep. Yeah. Yay. Cool. Well, thank you so much for guiding us through 
as you said, the Twilight Zone. We, we could not have done it without you. No, thank you guys. Seriously, like, I like we're such big fans. Yeah. And, like, you guys do such a great job. And, like, just thank you for speaking on the movies that need to be spoken Yes. On because we greatly appreciate. <laughs> thank you. That is so nice to hear. It feels like a weird full circle of our media influencing each other. Yeah. But now we're, yes, now we're adults, too, so it's so weird. Okay, everyone. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> you can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with all our latest creative projects at twopinkpictures.com. If you want to watch our show as well as listen, we're on YouTube too. Yay. Search sleepover cinema or go to the link tree in our Instagram bio. We're on Instagram and Twitter at twopinkpictures and would love to hear from you there. We're also on TikTok at sleepover cinema and that's really where the party is at. It's true. And if you like Sleepover Cinema, please share an episode with a few friends. Also, since we're asking for things, please leave us a review on the Apple Podcasts app. Um, for some reason, they're super powerful and we would always appreciate a nice review. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman and theme music is by Josh Perlman Hall. Special thanks to executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. We'll chat again soon. We'll chat again soon. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.